you got saved not just so you can go to heaven one day. No, you got saved and He's left you here so that you can be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you so much for joining us this time. Today, we're continuing with the series, Encouragement for Discouraging Times, where we're in part two of the message, The Fruit of Encouragement. And if you need encouragement today, I want you to stay tuned. The Bible's going to teach us the power that encouragement brings to a beaten down, discouraged individual. I believe the Lord is going to send forth his word today to bring healing and strength to you. So let's go right to the message, the fruit of encouragement. So you haven't had church until the Holy Spirit's there. If you have church without the Holy Spirit, you just had a religious meeting. We need the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God can touch you and do in five minutes what psychologists couldn't do in 20 years. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what it says. If you're tormented by fear, the first thing to know is that God did not give you that fear. 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love, God's love, casts out fear. Cast it out. Well-formed love banishes fear, John writes, since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment. All of these things represent the person who is not fully formed in love or who is not full of the Holy Spirit because when you get full of the Holy Spirit, there's no room for the spirit of fear. Now, Nehemiah was looking at a group of people filled with fear, locked in fear, paralyzed by fear. So he says, I'm going to encourage you out of this. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Who are they? God will fight for you and you will hold your peace. We're the winners and not the losers. Don't forget who you are, but even more than that, whose you are. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? I like this story in Paul's travels. He shipwrecked. He was a prisoner in a ship being taken to see Caesar. And, and this is in the last chapter of the book of Acts. And I love that it happened in the last chapter because it's powerful. He's in this ship. He's been visited by an angel. The angel has told him, fear not. The ship wrecks. And all the prisoners that are on the ship and all the sailors swim to shore and it's winter time and it's freezing. They're all shivering to the bone. And so Paul, being the servant that he always was, he goes around looking for some sticks to gather for a fire. And listen to what the Bible says in verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, for you Texans, a snake, <laughs> came out by reason of the heat. Ooh, and this word is strong, fastened on his hand. Let me give you a grim picture. The word fastened probably means he bit him and then wrapped around his arm. 
Everybody say, ooh. Some of you just grabbed the side of your chair. I saw you. The word viper is letting us know it was probably a two-stepper. That's what we call a two-stepper is like your cobras, your black mamba, your green mamba, your puff adders. These are snakes that if they bite you, you take two steps and you die. Now, that's a little bit exaggerated, but not by much because the venom immediately goes to your lungs and paralyzes you where you cannot breathe. Now, I've got a reason for telling you that. This viper reached out of the fire and latched onto Paul's hand and wrapped around his arm. And for me, that is a picture of fear. It fastens itself to you. It injects its poison into your mind and heart. It paralyzes you into activity, just like it did Nehemiah's builders. They were paralyzed because of the venom of fear. Now, I want you to notice how Paul responded. He didn't go running. He didn't go screaming. He didn't write a will. I love this verse, verse 5. Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was not hurt in any way. Now, see, this same Paul went around this entire city or this entire island healing everybody who was sick, praying for everybody. Now, he didn't do it, but Jesus did it through him. But there was such an anointing on his life at this point, such a grace that everywhere he went, he prayed and people were healed. And on this island, it says he healed everybody who was sick on the island. So this snake can't take him because it wasn't his time. Until it's your time, you can't go. Now, the natives are watching this. The natives see this viper, latch onto his hand, wrap around him, and they're looking for the swelling to immediately happen because it happens immediately. They're waiting for him to drop, start laboring in his breathing. None of that happens, and they decide he's a god. Ooh. Paul said, don't worship me, but Jesus Christ is the one who has kept me whole. Now, watch this. Folks, I, I, let me just digress a minute and tell you. In a day of hypersensitivity... Right now in America, we are so hypersensitive. Political correctness has turned us into a bunch of blubbering babies, always offended about something. Good Lord, you turn on the radio. Somebody's offended about this. This group offended by that. We have become a great big pulsating mass of neurotic, offended, crying babies. That's what political correctness has done. But the Christian ought to be different. There are some things the Christian ought to learn to just shake off. Shake it off. Man, there's some things we need to shake off. If somebody says something hurtful to you in church, don't pick up your marbles and go home and say, I'm leaving church and I'm going to quit praying because I got hurt at church. Get over it. Give it to God and shake it off. Amen? When things don't go the way you thought they should or the way you thought they would, then give it to God and just shake it off. Listen, if that's all it takes to take you down, God doesn't have an army. He's got a playpen. He's looking for an army, tough on the outside, soft on the inside, a rhinoceros hide with a gentle heart. Nehemiah is encouraging God's people, shake off this fear. Don't let that cling to you. Be a Teflon Christian. Things hit you and just slide off. Yeah. 
So Nehemiah is saying, shake it off. Now, second thing he does, by the power of encouragement, he adjusted their focus. Listen to what he said. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. He's saying, children of Israel, let me encourage you. Remember who you serve. He's great. He's awesome. I pulled just a few quotes from some of the prophets that used adjectives to describe our God. Listen to this. The prophet Zephaniah wrote, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Notice, not the uncaring, apathetic, distant God who's off flinging other stars into space. No, the one who intervenes in your life and answers your prayers and fights for you, the mighty warrior. And then Moses one day broke out in praise and he said, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Listen to this. Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, wondrous in your working, working wonders. Let me just quote Jeremiah the same way. Jeremiah said, No one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty. Your name is mighty. And he hadn't even gotten to the name of Jesus yet. This was just Jehovah. Your name is mighty. But now there is no other name above the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to the words. Majestic, awesome, wondrous, great, and mighty warrior. Folks, when your focus is on that instead of the rubbish, then you win. By your focus, you will go forward or go down based on your focus. I'm going to say it again. You will go forward or go down based on your focus. Ask Peter. As long as he looked at Jesus, he walked on the water. When he looked down at the waves and the wind, he sank. God, you are a majestic God, an awesome God, a wondrous God, a great God, a mighty warrior fighting for me. And if you be for me, who can be against me? That's why I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And he who has begun a good work in me will finish it till the day of Jesus Christ. Because you're a majestic, awesome, wondrous, great, and a mighty warrior. The God who promised that he would make all things work together for the good of those who love him or the called according to his purpose is going to turn your mess into a message and your moaning into a testimony. That's what he promised. And that's what Nehemiah is telling these people. Isaiah said, you will keep the man or the woman in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind is not occasionally glances your way, but is kept on you. I encourage you, said Nehemiah, get your eyes back on him and off of the mess and off of your enemy. Get your eyes, I encourage you, back on him. Sometimes all it takes to help a struggling believer is say, hey, friend, get your eyes back on Jesus. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. Let's get our eyes on him. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to be fixed until I get my eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Get your eyes off of the mess, the unfinished business, the things you still have to do, the things that aren't done yet, all of the struggles, all the challenges. Get your eyes off and get them on to him. And then last thing he did, and I love this one. 
by the power of encouragement, he skillfully and wisely pulled them back to their purpose. Hmm. He reminded them why, why they were in Jerusalem, rebuilding the torn down wall and the entire city. Let me tell you why. And here's what he said. You're fighting for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He's saying, do you remember your purpose? Do you remember your why? They were in their land that God had given them, the land of Canaan, the promised land. He's taking them back to their original call through Abraham in Genesis 12.1. This was their destiny. This was their purpose in God. They were building the wall and restoring the city so that God might have a testimony of His greatness through them to the entire world. And for this to happen their children and their children's children and their posterity and future generations had to have a place to live and multiply. And Jerusalem, the holy city, was the epicenter of God's purpose for them. He's saying, Israel, I encourage you to think about all of you fainted builders. Let me remind you, not to ask yourself or think about just that you're here. Don't just think about that you're here, but think of why you're here. Remember why you're here. Your purpose is always revealed when you figure out your why. Why? Why am I here? Not just I'm here, but why am I here? Why are you on this planet? Why are you sitting in turning point today? Why are you where you are? Why are you still alive? Why has God placed you here? As a believer, why didn't you just catch every, the minute somebody's saved, take them home instead of letting them live out on this planet of warfare and trouble? Why? One day a traveler was walking down a road and he came across two stone cutters working in a quarry who had been commissioned by the king. Each of them was cutting a block of stone. Interested to find out what they were working on, he asked the first stone cutter what he was doing. What are you doing? He said, I'm cutting a stone. Still no wiser, the traveler turned to the second stone cutter and asked him, what are you doing? What are you doing? He seemed to be the happier of the two. And when asked what he was doing, he replied, ah, I'm building a cathedral for my king. Hallelujah. Do you get it? One knew how, the other knew why? And listen to me. He who knows why will always rule over he who only knows how. See, what happens in church is we forget all about our why. And we just know how. Oh, I know how to gather those people. I know how to have a great buffet. I know how to gather people to eat a great big meal. We know how to put seats in a sanctuary and how to get a building. We know how to do church. But in knowing how, we so often forget our why. And when you forget your why and you only do what you know how to do, you have missed the bigger picture for which we are here. Man. 
Every Christian should understand, not just how to do church, but why. I could ask some of you today, why are you here today? Why are you in church? Oh, I just kind of like watching him sweat. (laughs) Why are you here? Oh, i got some friends that are here. Why are you here? Well, it's closest to my home. Why are you here? You would give me all kinds of reasons but the right one. And then if I said to you, why are you a Christian? Well, so I can go to heaven someday. You got it part right. But your why is not just so that you can go to heaven someday. Okay, here we go. I'm preaching pretty good. Now listen. I want you to get this. You got saved not just so you can go to heaven one day. No, you got saved and he's left you here so that you can be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Listen, Jesus said, you are. And when anybody tells you, you are, that is a defining statement leading to a why. You are the light of the world. If you're not here, there's no light in this world. Because Jesus is reflecting his glory through you. You're the light of the world. And you're the salt of the earth. And that's our why. Listen, Peter gave us a huge purpose statement. Every Christian should know. Listen to this. I'm going to tell you who you are. You are a chosen generation. Everybody say with me, I'm chosen. That means picked out. That means, uh uh-huh, I've got these choices. I want that one. You know, I've been shopping lately. Shopping in Kroger or Albertsons is a dangerous place to go. I have learned. Because there's women in there with these carts and they mean business. And they can tell when you're an amateur shopper. And I've had them look at me with a look that said to me, get out of my way, dude. I know what I want and you don't. And I'm going to run you over if you don't get out of my way. But I've also learned they know how to pick that fruit. They'll look at a whole bunch of navel oranges and squeeze them and throw them and pick one. And man, when that orange gets picked, it's chosen. He said, you're picked out. You're chosen. Well, watch this. You're a royal priesthood. You're a priest. Say with me, I'm a priest. You don't look like it. You don't feel like it, but you're a priest. And you're a holy, that means set aside for God nation. And then a called out, called out. Hey, you, follow me, called out. Now, listen to this. Here comes the why. So that, so that you may shout out to others how God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So that. Man. You got saved, so that. You got filled with the Holy Spirit so that you could shout out, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, you got called out of darkness into light, called out of lost into found, called out of dead into alive, called out of hellbound into heavenbound. You got called out to get called in. Man. A church that understands only how will do a certain amount of good. But a church that understands why will transform the world. Why are we here? We're here 
to shout it out. We're here to testify. Now, let me move quickly. Nehemiah's skillful encouragement restored their courage, adjusted their focus, and piqued their purpose. In one day, listen to the fruit of it. Nehemiah 4, 16 and 17. Listen to this. It's amazing. From that day on, what day? The day he encouraged them. Those who were building the wall and those who carried loads did their work with one hand and held something to fight with in the other hand. So they said, I've learned a lesson. When the enemy's breathing down my back, I don't retreat. I just never put down my weapon. I never put down my sword. I never put down the word. But I hold it close. So I'm laboring with one hand and I'm fighting with the other. And the enemy is going to have a whole lot to deal with if he attacks me now. But look what it says. So the wall was finished. Everybody say finish. But wait a minute. This is the people who said we're not able. So it was a lie. But look what it says. In 52 days, less than two months. In less than two months... The wall was finished. Now, let me make this real for you. The wall was 15 feet thick. This encouragement sign is 15 feet long. You could ride a chariot along the top of this wall. It was 15 feet thick, less than two months. Keep that in mind, less than two months. It was two and a half miles long. And it was 40 feet high. This was an engineering miracle. And they didn't have cement trucks and gravel trucks or any trucks. They pulled those stones in a very ingenious way, but they had to lug them and pull them with manpower only. And they finished this in less than two months who said, we're not able. Man. So I'm telling you, there's power and encouragement. The ones who said we can't do, could do. The ones who said we can't do, did do. And where are you today? You say, boy, Jeff, if you knew what I was looking at, you weren't looking at this. How's your courage today? If I had a spiritual thermometer and 98.7 meant normal, but 100 was that you're really encouraged, but let's say 90, you're discouraged. Where are you? How's your courage doing? Are you discouraged or are you encouraged? And then how about your focus? You got your focus on those marital problems, the rubbish, the dust, what's left undone, or is your focus on Him no matter what's happening around you? My prayer is if you leave with anything today, you know that you're not a question mark. You're an exclamation point. You have a massive why, a purpose over your life that God had for you before the worlds began. Well, that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed the message and that you're as blessed as I am at the awesome power encouragement can bring. And speaking of the power of encouragement, I want to encourage you to join hands with Life Talk in reaching the nation and the world with God's Word. We indeed live in a spiritually wilting and dying nation. 
And there's only one tried and proven remedy, the gospel of Jesus Christ, declared without apology or compromise. If you'd like to become a part of Helping Life Talk, do just that. Then connect with us at our new website, lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. The time to reach our nation may be shorter than we think. Thank you for joining hands with us to make a difference. I pray God's rich blessings be yours. The Fruit of Encouragement is the fourth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener supported ministry. We exist to bring God's word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.